The Heat notch their first victory of Las Vegas Summer League, and we give you our takeaways on Orlando Robinson, Nikola Jovic, and more, plus the latest updates on Damian Lillard and some potential free agents working out in Vegas that could be on Miami's radar. All that and more on today's edition of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg, here as always with David Vermill. However you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app, thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen. Every day we'll get to the latest on Damian Lillard, the NBA's new in-season tournament, and some interesting free agents holding private workouts in a minute. But David, you're in Las Vegas for Summer League. What's it like there? What have you seen from the Heat in person? You got any good stories to share? Uh, well, you know, it's really weird. Uh, it's right around uh, eight o'clock right now, but the sun comes up around five in the morning. It is brutal. Uh, you would think a city like Vegas, they wouldn't want any sunlight at all. And it's just, there's way too much of it here. So I'm <laughs> having a hard time finding a regular sleeping pattern. Other than that, it's just been a lot of fun watching all the players roll through a lot of heat support from guys currently on the roster. New free agent, Thomas Bryant there with his wife, Haywood Highsmith rolling through, uh, Duncan Robinson and others, just a, a lot of a lot of buzz about town, about Miami and the pursuit of Dame Lillard that we'll talk about in the next segment. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting, you know. Uh, Did you get a chance so, to talk to Duncan or Thomas Bryan or any of these guys? Thomas was uh, not available. Uh, Duncan, I did talk to you and, uh, you know, kind of ch- chatted for a bit and uh, asked him how his summer was. He kind of just rolled his eyes. He's like, hey, you know, just ha- kind of hanging in there. I know he talked mm-hmm. to Sun Sentinel reporter Ira Winterman later on about the trade talk. So it's clear that it's getting to him, even if he says otherwise. You know, these are NBA players, but they're also people. Uh, and seeing his name linked to constant trade rumors probably doesn't help his self-esteem any. But, right. uh, well, we'll see how it all plays out over the next couple of weeks, I'm sure. How's Maybe Bam? Because Bam, Bam Adebayo, I know, will always take the trip out to Summer League. He likes to support his teammates. He's also got a ton of friends across the league. Um, yeah. There's that picture of him going around, you know, chatting it up with Jason Tatum during the Heat yep. Celtics Summer League game. What have you seen from Bam? Uh, he was uh, very active on the sideline. Very uh, At one point during a timeout, I saw him going over there, looking at uh, the coach's notes, just kind of looking through everything, trying to kind of get in on the coach's huddle. I, I, you would never have pegged him for this necessarily, but I wonder if he sees himself as taking that next leap as a potential coach down the road. But also, huh. specifically – to Orlando Robinson, who we'll talk about in this segment because he had a monster game, but he was a little frustrated early on. And at one point, Bam just kind of goes over to him and starts kind of really yelling at him and telling him to kind of you know, get his head out of his you-know-where. And Orlando talked about it later on, said that Bam said some sweet nothings to him, but it was pretty <laughs> clear it was anything but sweet. Uh, and it seemed to do the trick because Orlando had a monster game against the Boston Celtics for the well- first win of Summer League. When did that happen? Because he had a good first half. He scored whatever it was, 16, 17 points in the first half. That was like it early, was early on. It, yeah. it was early on because I, I, I was watching Orlando because, I mean, between him and Jovic, clearly, those are the two players that I was most yeah. interested in watching. So I was watching both of them pretty closely. And I even tweeted about it. Uh, Robinson was frustrated early on. He wasn't getting the looks he wanted. Uh, at one point, there was a fast break. He thought he he had got a good defensive possession on one end. And, of course, you know, the unwritten rule is always reward your big man if he runs down court after a good play like that. And he did it. Uh, it led to a Jovic turnover. 
And he was kind of like just throwing his head up and then just kind of like, you know, like, what do I got to do to get the ball? Right. Because everybody wants to show out in summer league. Everybody wants mm-hmm. the ball in their hands to put up points. And Jovic couldn't find him on that fast break. So he was a little frustrated. On the other end, then he goes and picks up his second foul within the first few minutes of the game. He finished the game with two fouls. And that was like, that was the breaking point between him, Karan Butler. And I asked Karan about it afterward. He's the head coach for the summer league team. He says he told him to kind of just stick with the, per- or the process. Make sure that you follow up on everything. Keep doing what you got to do. And then, bam, yelling at him. It seemed to really ignite him. And from that point forward, we saw a much different version of Orlando Robinson. He had 36 points in that game on 13 of 22 shooting. Yeah. Went 3 of 4 from three-point range. 11 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 blocks. Uh, this was like Nikola jo- Jokic Orlando. Like Nikola Orlando Robinson. I don't even know. Uh in summer league, he's five of eight from three point range, and we note that's something that he was working on. And he was talking a, a, maybe a week ago or so uh, about how he thought that that three point shot could be legit for him. And you know, the question always by some reporters is going to be, "Do you think you could play next to Bam?" You know, because they're always looking for a big man to play next to Bam, and he thought that that could be possible. It kind of feels like we're veering into Omer Yurtsevin territory now with Orlando Robinson in terms of maybe expectations from fans and stuff whatever, but with games like this, and you don't want to make too much out of summer league, but he's clearly put in the work. He's good enough that he's already been uh, promoted from the two-way contract to a standard 15-man roster spot. So the Heat obviously believe in him in some degree. Would you say that, well, let me, I'll frame it this way. If I were to say, I think the backup center job is open competition between Thomas Bryant, the new guy, and Orlando Robinson. If I said that, David, would you believe me? Do you think that that's, true i i think it goes even further i think we could be seeing a three-way race for it with kevin love as well to ostensibly play the center position alongside bam and bio we talked about this in a recent episode but i think they're starting to lean more towards having a a big man who can space the floor because they've got now three if you include love in that group three guys that can spread the floor space it out next to bam uh because we saw on the playoffs Bam has to play a significant amount of time. You wonder how much that'll change during the regular season. But I, I think it's pretty close, neck and neck. We saw the two of them kind of, Bryant and Robinson talking to one another. Um, you know, it was it was interesting to see that exchange there, you know, knowing that they're competing for a job. But they both have similar skill sets uh, despite their size. Both of them more finesse than just kind of bullying their way into the paint and things like that. Although Robinson clearly did, but that was against much more inferior opposition there. No knock on the Celtics. Summer league players, but I mean, most of them probably will not be in the NBA at any point. So I, I think we're starting to see that likely transition to another stretch big. And we've seen this over the last few seasons, you know, with Myers Leonard, Kelly Olenek, at some point, Kevin Love, too. You know, that's just, it's much more effective that way if you're going to have Bam so much, you know, uh, concentrating on scoring in the paint, et cetera. Um, do you think that there's a chance that we're looking at maybe one of these guys starting? Because Thomas Bryant, Orlando Robinson starting yeah. would be a stretch. But in again, one summer league game. But 36 points in a summer league game is still a lot of points. I don't know. You, you see explosions like that quite a bit um, in Las Vegas. But yeah, I would say between, I think right now, if the season were going to start today, Kevin Love starts next to Bam Adebayo. Yeah. And it's one of Thomas Bryant. It's probably Thomas Bryant coming off the bench. But Thomas Bryant has played now for whatever it is, uh, six teams in six years or whatever it is. Um, yeah. This is a guy who needs to uh, shore up some of the things defensively. 
and and get a little bit more physical in terms of screen setting and all these other and, and especially on defense and that's why he's kind of become a journeyman despite the the very tantalizing offensive skill set Orlando Robinson is solid like he is a he's a physical player he sets good screens he's a good rebounder so is Thomas Bryant um defensively he's probably better than Thomas Bryant already I think yeah. it's fair to say for backup center it's one of their jobs and we've seen Thomas Bryant lose like come into for instance Denver be like, hey, I'm going to be the backup center behind Nikola Jokic and end up losing that job to somebody like DeAndre Jordan and then eventually Jeff Green. And I'm not I'm not trying to smear Thomas Bryant. I think if it's going to work, it's going to work in Miami. But I think what Orlando Robinson has been doing uh, behind the scenes, and again, it's not just the 36 points. It's the fact that Miami promoted him from that two-way spot without seeing anything. that he's, they, they saw the work behind the scenes. They didn't need this 36-point performance to promote him to the 15-man roster. They already did it. Right. They already believe yeah. in him. So I think it is open competition for that backup center job. I, I agree. Uh, I also, you know, Karan mentioned that they were trying to feed him regularly. So it, it's I think it's a uh, something that you understand from summer league is you want to get your best player going. And between him and Nicola, I think we saw a lot of, you know, the conversation is going to shift about backup center to Bam and bio. But maybe they're all going to be in that three-man rotation between Love, Bryant, and, and Orlando. Mm. But we're looking at Jovic emerging as probably Bam's likely backup then, if you're looking at him at kind of a, the four spot. And I think it's something that he's capable of. And when you consider both the nature of their games, bringing the ball up, initiating the offense, moving the ball around with their passes, trying to get to the rim, et cetera, much more similar than you might expect. Although, I, I mean, I know that's a far cry. Maybe a lot of people don't want to hear this. And, of course, there's always – the potential trade of Nicola looming over everything. Sure. But it, I think that's certainly a possibility. I, I don't know how Jaime Jaquez even fits into it because he's another wing player, but I guess he could kind of fit in as another guy. Caleb Martin also yeah. will probably get some minutes there. So there's well, a it's lot obvious they want to try to not play those wings at those big man positions. I mean, they've, they've bring back Kevin Love. Like you said, Jovic should play yeah. a bigger role if he's on the team. He is bigger also, 240 yeah. pounds now. He and, yeah. and you're seeing him in person. He looks bigger. Yeah, he does. He talked about the confidence that it comes with with kind of putting on that muscle. And you could tell, like, he's just much more aggressive. He's drawing contact. He's mixing it up, getting, you know, smaller guards switched on to him and then kind of just bowling past them. And even when he's got a big, he's so much more quick because he's so skilled with the ball yeah. that he's able to draw fouls. So he, he's really transformed this game. I, 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 I've loved what I've seen from him in the few minutes that we saw him in game one. I love that play against Boston. We'll wrap it up here before we move on to Damian Lillard. But when Nikola Jokic, uh, Jovic, Jesus, Nikola Jovic, yeah, uh, close out from beyond the arc, uh, yeah. drives to the basket and then jumps up almost uh, kind of like what LeBron used to do when he would jump. You know, who used to do this a lot was like Ben Simmons to jump up in the paint and then turn around and kick it out to a shooter. But the shooter yeah. was Orlando Robinson. <laughs> Yeah, beyond the arc, and he just drains a catch and shoot three pointer. Um, that was yeah. maybe my favorite play from that entire game. Uh, love to see those two guys connect. Like you said, a lot of developments there. Maybe some options uh, for the regular season. Um, so definitely something to watch. Miami's next summer league game is Monday, um, and I know that you'll be there for that as I well. Mean. But coming up, still no progress on the Damian Lillard front. When can we expect something to happen? We'll talk about that next here on Locked On Heat. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Ibotta. It's officially summer and a new season means new clothes, but your closet shouldn't be the only thing growing when you make those purchases. Now you can watch your cash grow back with each purpose, with each purchase, excuse me, with Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items 
from produce to personal care to pantry goods. And you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. You either link your loyalty account or you upload a receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's, it's easy. My wife's been doing it for a long time now. She was ahead of the game. But that doesn't mean you have to miss out. Now, I, the average I bought a user earns about 120 bucks a year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. So if you wanted your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing or that game that you're dying to go to, you know, obviously the in-season tournament, you might want to save up some money to come here to Vegas. You know, Ibotta can help you get there right now. Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen. Every day, every day, as David is still in Las Vegas, and he's going to be back with observations from the Heat's next summer league game on Monday. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and in your favorite podcast app. All right, so the Heat and the Blazers, their front offices are both in Las Vegas, reportedly have not met yet to discuss mm-hmm. a Damian Lillard trade. Chris Haynes reported over the weekend that there's still no progress and more and more. It looks like we're going to need three or four teams to get this thing done, I know it's been floated by Bobby Marks of ESPN that it could be five teams. Uh, Brian Windhorst saying the same thing. It could be as many as five teams trying to get in on this. We already just saw a massive five-team trade that got Dylan Brooks to Houston in some sign-in trade, and Kenny Martin Jr. ends up on the Clippers. So, like, these things happen, in right. other words. Um, what's the buzz, David? In Las Vegas, what are people I would imagine are talking a lot about Damian Lillard's situation? Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, the kind of feeling is that it's going to get done with Miami at some point. That that Lillard is going to end up in Miami, and I think it's pretty you know well understood uh, that Miami's offer may not be the best, but they're going to be able to scrounge up just enough either by trading Tyler Hero to a third team or another component here and there to a four team in order to get what's necessary in order to make Portland happy. I didn't see Cronin. Obviously, the Heat front office is there. Andy Ellisberg is there, although Pat Riley is not in town. But Andy's certainly capable of any negotiations on Miami Heat's side. So uh, I'm curious to see if we'll get news soon. I, I don't I don't think so. Like I, I think it's going to still be another few days, maybe even longer, as they continue to just kind of work through this process. And, and everybody wants to get a little something out of it. That's why these multi-team deals work out so well is that you know, it's Miami's going to wind up with Dame Lillard, and I think that's pretty clear. At least that's what everybody feels is going to happen. And being that that being said, then it's just about getting Portland what they want to make them at least comfortable, if not necessarily happy, with the tr- exchange. And then you know, getting a couple teams here and there to move pieces around so they all get something out of it, and it works out for everybody. Um, Andy Ellsberg is there. Adam Simon is there. Eric Spolstra yep. is there. All these guys yep. are in Las Vegas. Um, I. Part of me wondered if something would just get done over the weekend. Remember when Kawhi Leonard got traded to the Clippers, or I'm sorry, signed with the Clippers, and then they executed the trade for Paul George. That all happened basically the first primetime night. It was Zion Williamson's debut in 2019. Um, Then there was an earthquake at the arena, and everybody left, and everybody went to their hotels. And I was sitting at at a bar in, was it the MGM Grand? I can't remember where it was necessarily. But I was sitting in a bar with a couple of other reporter friends, and the next thing you knew, I think it was Chris Haynes that broke that story also, the Paul George getting traded. Um, And and then it's Woj and it's Shams and it's everybody, Mark Stein, all these guys jumping on, and you're like, what on earth is going on? And that just happened the first weekend. Now, a lot fewer moving parts with that. That was more of a, 
hey, if yeah. you want me, in terms of Kawhi Leonard, if you want me, LA Clippers, trade for Paul George. And then they just threw a bunch of stuff at the Thunder for Paul George. They got Paul George, and then Kawhi signed with the Clippers. So it was, it felt like a lot, but it was a lot more simple than what it is that the Heat are trying to do, to your point, about the, negotiating these deals. So I don't think that we're going to just see Andy Ellsberg and Adam Simon walking around trying to find Blazers front office people. They're going to be trying to find front office people from every team. Hey, San Antonio, Brooklyn, like, do you guys want to get in on this? Like whatever team, Oklahoma, like all these teams that are, that tend to get involved in these kinds of uh, four or five team massive trades. If there's any team that could do it, it's the heat. They're the best at doing this. It was a four team sign and trade crazy thing that got them Jimmy Butler when they had negative cap space somehow pulled off a Jimmy Butler deal in that same summer of 2019, obviously later than the Paul George deal. Um, And this is the same front office that executed the biggest trade in NBA history, right? Which ultimately led to the 2006 championship. So if there is a front office to get it done, it is this front office. Um, But just one more thing about Vegas, because for a lot of our listeners that may not have ever attended, uh, you know, obviously a big component of these games is for fans to be able to watch some of these players. You got a lot of kids coming up to players, coaches asking for autographs and things of that sort. But each arena, and there's two separate arenas at the Thomas and Mack Center, there's a main floor there, and there's another smaller Cox Pavilion that's adjacent to that. And then you have a section cordoned off for media, team personnel, and, and like front office folks. And I, I get to sit next to, you know, a couple of, of, of Sixers guys were there, Celtics guys in the next row up. Uh, last year when you and I were there, we saw Sean Marks uh, uh, just a couple rows from us. And that's pretty common. Like you just see yeah. these guys sitting next to each other. Everybody's kind of shaking hands, looking at phones, seeing what the next update is. You start having conversations. They kind of cover their mouths the way players do when they're on the floor. They don't want anybody, you know, because the camera's going to pan to them at some point. They don't want to be caught talking and things like that. But these conversations like, happen. I'm all trading the time. James Harden cool. to the Clippers tomorrow, right? Like you don't want the <laughs> the, the mics picking that up. Right, right. So there's a lot of free flowing, just it's right. conversational. I think everything's been reported as stubborn as it might appear that Cronin is being, he's trying to do his job. And I know that everybody's talked about that and mm-hmm. he's going to try to get whatever's necessary for, for him and the front office to, to be content with the, uh, the trade of Dame Lillard. Um, I'm glad you bring in sort of like the mixer aspect of Las Vegas. Cause it's very true. Yeah. And by the way, you don't just have to be media. I mean, the, the, I, I miss being in Vegas right now because my favorite part is just walking around. You could buy a ticket as a fan and you're just walking oh, around. Yeah. And all these people are walking the halls and everything oh, yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. It's only the when they're The concourses are seated. filled with former players. Like you turn it's around crazy. and there's Brett Barry and then there's all the NBA Hall of Famers walking back and forth. And they're going to different media events scattered throughout the arena. It's everywhere. Like you, you, you fall backwards and you're going to bump into an NBA player. That's very cool. Um, all right, coming up, the NBA revealed the format for the new in-season tournament, and it might actually be cool. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about that next here on Locked on Heat. All right, thanks again for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Every day is David still in Las Vegas, and he will be back with observations from the Heat Summer League game <laughs> on Monday. So make sure the sound effect giving me some PTSD. On uh, Sorry, probably got too much of that. Does yeah. it are your nostrils filled with cigarette? This smells of cigarette smoke and just, and just cheap test. tequila yet? Yeah, yeah, and broken dreams, uh, all that. <laughs> a, a beautiful the Vegas waft. <laughs> um, also. If you want to fall backwards into an NBA player, just check out any casino floor. Um, yeah. Find the craps table, the blackjack table at uh, 
what's the one they, they love the co- uh, cosmopolitan's a big one the uh, aria. aria the aria is where they're all oh, yeah. they're all gambling usually too um so over the weekend the nba revealed uh the format for the new in-season tournament it's going to take place from november to december and it's going to end with a championship game in las vegas so synergy that's what we call it in the corporate world um here's how it's going to work so i'm going to try to do this as best i can david because i've just sort of uh, uh downloading this now but we're gonna have six five team groups okay so three from each conference right group two for instance is miami Milwaukee, the New York Knicks, Washington, and Charlotte. So that's Miami's group. And this is uh, created basically via drawing process based on the standings, okay? So that's basically how how you get those. And again, it's going to be six five-team groups, three from each conference. All right, so group play. I actually think this is the cool part. Four games versus your group with seven dates across November, all on Fridays or Tuesdays. So they're basically embedding the group stage part of this within the regular season. And if you're a, a, a fan of the NBA, a consumer, whatever, you just know, all right, it's Tuesday night, it's Friday night, it's group stage play night, which I think is pretty cool. I actually like that. Uh, so the winner of each group is going to go on um, to the knockout round. It's the winner and then plus one wild card from each conference. So you're going to get five, uh, or I'm sorry, four teams moving on to the knockout round in each conference. You get the quarterfinals taking place from December 4th and December 5th uh, at the higher seeds home court. The semifinals happen after that, December 7th in Las Vegas. And then the championship game is December 9th in Las Vegas. During the knockout rounds, the teams that don't make it to the knockout rounds, they're just going to continue playing their regular season on nights separate from when the the in-season tournament is happening, right? So you'll have nights where it's dedicated to the in-season tournament, and you're going to have nights where it's just regular, regular season games. The winners are going to get the players on the winning team will get $500,000. Runner-ups will get $200,000. If you make it to the semis, you get $100,000. If you make it to the quarterfinals, you get $50,000. So so for somebody like, for instance, Drew Smith, who's on a two-way contract, if the Heat were to win this in-season tournament, he's like doubling his salary in a season. So for me, you know, or I'd say for like somebody like Jimmy Butler, who's going to be making $40 million next year, $500,000 probably doesn't mean a whole lot for him. But in that locker room, in fifteen, when there's fifteen players in that locker room, and you're looking across, you know, the the other side, and you're like, hey, I can really, we could really do something for the new guy here. We could do something for Drew Smith. We could do something for Jamal Kane that's meaningful for them that can change their their way of life for a year. Um, I don't know. I think that's probably some motivation from the players. My biggest thing, and it still is my biggest gripe with the in season tournament. No incentive for the fan to care. A fan doesn't care if Drew Smith is making $500,000 or if Tyler Hero is making another $200,000. doesn't matter, right? Um, they didn't include anything in terms of playoff seating, in terms of draft picks or anything like that, which I'm good. I'm I'm happy. Like, nothing right. major like that is included in this. I thought, David, honestly, I was, I, I've been a hater on this this entire time. I still think I'm a little bit of a hater. I, I, I kind of don't want to like this. But I kind of do. I kind of like the idea of embedding this in-season tournament within the regular season this way. That it's not, it's not just like this random thing broken out a month into the season. You know what I mean? I kind of like the format yeah. of it. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of people kind of criticize the timing of it. But I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Like there's the players are still going to be going through some early season rust. And, and that's pretty common. Uh, at the same time, they'll continue to get better. You hope that injury doesn't impact it because then you're going to have a lot of people saying, oh, just similarly to what we saw in the playoffs, that injury is going to hang over everything. 
it, that's any point at any point during the regular season or postseason, it could happen. So you just can't avoid those sorts of things. I, I'm still not necessarily a hater. I, I just need to see how it plays out. Yeah. Because again, I, I don't feel invested in it. This doesn't feel like right. anything more than just a couple of more regular season games to watch because there's no really big payoff other than, you know, oh, they won the first season tournament. That'll be a nice trivia note in 20, 30 years. But I don't think it really means anything yet. But you wonder whether or not it'll start to grow and develop and and then fans start to see it as, you know, something else that they can brag about. It's like, oh, you know, well, we won the in-season tournament. Maybe it means something. And maybe I just it'll have a hard be... time seeing fans doing that. And I think you agree with me. It's like, yeah, we won the NBA Cup, which is what they're calling it. We won the NBA right. Cup. And it's like, I don't know. The Cup looks cool. I'm like, but like, it's it's also are you gonna hang it, a, it, our it, teams gonna hang banners for that? I guess they're they're gonna be right. old too, probably by the NBA. Hey, can you please hang a banner for this stupid thing? I, but, I, I'm curious to see like some of the nuances of it. Like, is it becoming like a? Will it become like a precursor to teams that will have a better chance at the playoffs? Will it kind of have the same kind of impact? Like, what we see teams show up in the during the the NBA Cup and be like, okay, we have something here. We can build off this. We can continue to carry carry us through. To the regular season and stuff mm. like that. I, I don't know. Uh, I just, we, there's so many. That's questions interesting that because out. you are competing in a tournament style. So as you go on, presumably you would play better and better teams, right? That's kind yeah. of the cool part. Is all right. We're gonna get good teams playing each other during this time as this tournament goes on. So maybe if you are, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a team like the Indiana Pacers. They could be like a right. seven eighth seed, you know, this year, right? Just sort of right. borderline. If you go ahead and win this tournament, are you gonna be like, you know what? Maybe there's something more to this. Like Tyrese Halliburton really showed out and wow, Benedict Matherin really took a leap. Maybe and we just beat the Milwaukee Bucks in the conference in the in our conference final and then we took down the Nuggets in the in the championship game or whatever it is. Maybe yeah, maybe for a team like that you could build, but I could also see a team like the like the Denver Nuggets or like the Phoenix Suns of just like veterans. They're like we don't care about this. This is stupid. Yeah. Um, and let's start, and let's he, make that let's make answer that question. Do you think Heat players is currently constructed aside from the two-way guys? We've seen what Jimmy Butler does during the regular season. He may not even be available for this cup. Does he care? Will he be motivated to win? Like he doesn't. I like bet there's going to be something behind the scenes to that point where these guys are going to have to play because they're going to be promoting this on TV. These they're going to be fines if there's load management stuff, <laughs> right? I would imagine. Like this, it's Probably. like all right, Kawhi, come out of your cave. You got to play for two weeks straight, <laughs> buddy. All right, uh, but also to to like somebody like not to pick on Kawhi, but yeah, kind of to pick on Kawhi, like, he might just tank it. You could just see a team like the Clippers literally just like, you know what? We don't want to do this and just tank it. But the other thing is like, once you get knocked out, this is the part that I like because you get knocked out, your regular season goes on. You don't just get a a vacation while the rest of this thing goes. So that's sort of a way to curb that. Then again, if you're playing these regular season games and they're trying, by the way, to keep these games limited from back to backs, um, which I think is the right thing to do also. But of course, yeah, I guess like if you tank it, you know, like, all right, now we're in these regular season games that nobody's paying attention to maybe because the right, the, this in-season tournament thing is happening over here. Maybe I can rest some of these games, whatever. To your, to answer your point about Miami, I don't know. I think that for the players, first of all, 500,000 is $500,000. And there is incentive okay. to get at least to the, the knockout round, the quarterfinals to make, you know, an extra 50K or an extra 100K. Like it's still money. Uh, and I think that there are going to be players who look at this competition as, you know, your competitive nature might get the best of you. I also think maybe because it's the first one, there might be some curiosity. Like, you know what? Like, let's kind of just do this and see what happens, especially because you're going to have to play these games anyway mm-hmm. to make an extra hundred, two hundred, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000 out of games that you were going to be have to be playing during this time of the calendar year anyway. 
I could see them just being like, all right, let's just do this. Like, why not? Yeah. Uh, this is the best way to get, I think, buy-in from the players. But to your point, I just still don't know why I would care if I'm a fan. I like the idea of going to Vegas and watching this. That seems yeah. to me is that seems to me to be interesting. If I'm a fan of a team, uh, let's go to Vegas. It's Vegas, so that's great. And we can also you know watch our team play. And and they're doing it by the way, like you know when the, with this group stage, it's separated out by conference. It's still the Eastern groups and the Western groups. So you kind of get this playoff feel of it. Where all right, at the very end, we're gonna get the best team from the West and the best team from the East playing each other, which is kind of interesting. I don't know. I'm still. My thing is the after. It's like cool. We have the cup now. What? Like who cares? You know, and I just I, I still don't know if you're a fan in November and December. If you're casual, you and I are going to watch these games anyway, right, David? Like we sure. have to. But like right. for the casual fan who might not be interested in basketball, while the NFL calendar is still going on, this is what they're That's trying to do, point. right? You know, yeah. It's like, are you really going to tune in for this? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just like, oh, there's this. Maybe you and I are overanalyzing this. I do wonder if a casual fan is like, oh, there's a cup. Okay. I'll turn that on, and maybe that's all it takes. I don't know. I don't think they'll they'll even really mostly be aware of it. It's not it's not to knock fans, but I just it's there's new. not enough buzz about this. Like yeah. I, they don't even really know about the nuances of like the off season and player acquisitions and things of that sort. They'll, they'll see it and they'll be like, "Oh, this is different." They'll watch it and then enough buzz will start to grow. We might not see it for a couple of years, but it kind of harkens back to what we saw during the playing tournament when it first first unleashed. People were like. Is this really necessary? What's the point? These guys are going to, these teams are going to be competing just for the chance to lose to the first seed. Well, guess what? We just saw a play in tournament team go all the way to the NBA finals and have a magical run. So there's always, it's been much more exciting than a lot of people, even maybe even the league execs believed it could be. And maybe that's the hope for the in-season tournament as well. What would you do to create like an incentive? I'm kind of just, I'm popping the question on you here, but like it's, I, I would thought something, it can't be so drastic. Like, home court advantage and like whichever like MLB all-star game where you get home court right. advantage in the championship in the, in the NBA finals, but maybe something like, okay, if you win this, you automatically get home court in the play in tournament or something like that. Uh, well, maybe, maybe more like stakes, you, can pick, stakes. you can pick home court advantage at any, like maybe like the, 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 the challenge, the, the, the coach's challenge, you can pick home court advantage for any playoff round. Ooh, and you don't know whether or not you're going to advance. Yeah, you don't know whether you're going to advance. So let's say the Heat, oh. would they have picked home court advantage for the first round against Milwaukee, not knowing that they were going to advance to the finals? Or like Spo would do, he would hold it off to the last second until the NBA finals because you never know how far right. you'll go. You could always just – you pick home court advantage. The winner of the tournament gets to pick home court advantage for one that round. Seemed, but that seems so extreme. Maybe like one of the <laughs> yeah. first two rounds. But like to do it in the – like to get home court advantage in the finals – because you won a couple of games in a row in November seems a right, little... leading up to the Eastern Conference Finals or, or the yeah. Conference Finals. That's why I kind of like I kind of like the idea of doing it with the like including tying it into the play-in tournament because I think the best the teams that are going to show out. I this is just my prediction: the best team isn't going to win the NBA Cup. The best team is not no. going to win this in-season tournament. Right? No. It's going to be sort of that middle team again. I think the Pacers are a good example, trying to prove itself, trying to figure out what they are, maybe yep. a little bit younger. Um, the and they can use the money, right? Because they're a little yeah. bit younger. Maybe they maybe they're not even onto their second contracts quite yet. And um, and and it that, those are the kind of teams that kind of make that playing tournament. If you can elevate the middle, which is what the NBA has been trying to do, elevate the middle so it's not the tankers and and the the five or six legit contenders. If you can elevate that middle group of the NBA up a tier. Yep. And, and just help them along a little bit. I don't know. Maybe something like that. I'm all thinking right. of the Sacramento Kings to win it all. That just seems like they're the right team for it. That's a good pick. 
actually, my Mike Brown is like, yeah, let's go to Vegas for another weekend and and dress up and 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 win. Yeah. Uh, All right. Finally, let's end it on here. John Wall, Deion Waiters, Harry Giles, all of them holding private workouts in Las Vegas this week. Any of those names pique your interest? Well, I mean, long-term listeners will know how I feel about Deion Waiters, but uh, as you and I were researching before we started, Harry Giles and Deion Waiters both with Clutch Sports, so making a pair with No, Deion Waiters and John Wall, Clutch Sports. Harry Giles is not. Yeah, that's right. Giles with another agency. So um, I, I think Giles probably fits the biggest need for Miami. Again, another... Kind of big player. Uh, he can stretch the floor a little bit. Theoretically still has some athleticism to him. It, there's just – he hasn't played in two years. I don't think he's even played overseas. And so you want we, – we, we rarely see these kinds of success stories where a player can take that much time off. Even though he and Dion are both still pretty young, it seems unlikely that they could take the number of years off and still come back and be impactful players. I, I think and A lot of injuries of, before that. With yeah. Giles too, he missed two straight years, but he and he missed a lot of the other years. Uh, All three players have been injured but at various points. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Giles is somebody who's a top five, definitely a top ten recruit coming out of high school. Yep. Crazy athletic. Some he was the number one recruit at one point of his high school class. I don't think he graduated that way, but he was up there. Um, it's been a rough career for him. I remember talking with him when he was first in Sacramento, and that's right. Um, I think I wrote a story on it. Maybe I just told, talked to him. I don't remember, but. Just and you know he it was always like yeah this is the year I'm gonna get healthy this is the year I'm gonna put it all together and that was four or five years ago I mean it's been rough for him uh, probably not the right fit it's gonna be probably more of these private workouts to show if he has anything left John Wall and Deion Waiters is interesting because depending on a Damian Lillard trade they might have yeah. something uh, yeah they might they might have a need at at backup uh, point guard or backup guard um, mm-hmm. I don't think they go back down the Deion Waiters route and I. I don't think they go the John Wall route. Drew Smith has been playing well in summer league too, so this is a big summer league for Drew Smith to see if he can kind of put something together here. What do you? He's a little shaky in game Boston. one. Um, shaky, but yeah, he one. is. Yeah, he, he he can run the floor. Uh, his shots kind of inconsistent, but uh, yeah. he is quick enough to play at the NBA level. We've seen that. I, you know, I, I think like Dion being a combo guard, and, and I know a lot of fans will already just because I, I tweeted something about it yesterday, and everybody was like, "No way." here it's like I, I think what happened a couple seasons ago was overblown and it was a combination of just he wore out his welcome in Miami he couldn't find his place there if we recall what happened his first suspension with the team everybody recalls the gummies they forgot that he got pissed off because he got benched for Kendrick Nunn as he was coming back from injury mm. because there were still some grievances from the previous season when they rushed him back from injury and things of that sort so it, it has been a weird road for Dion after he won that championship with the Lakers in the bubble, he didn't really get much of an opportunity after that. And I'm not saying he's deserved it or not, but I, you wonder whether or not he's in shape. But, I mean, if he's healthy, he he would automatically probably become one of Miami's most accomplished scorers on the team, especially if you're going to wind up trading Tyler Hero. Like, this is a guy we've known from Dion. He can get to the bucket. He's got a quick enough first step where he can get past that first uh, defender. And if he can create offense for others – it's just a matter of him finding his place, whether it's in Miami or elsewhere, and understanding that his role is going to be limited. He's just basically trying for an opportunity. He's not going to become the star player at any team at this point. He yeah, I mean, he's, he's 31 years old at this point, so I even question what that first step looks like, too, yeah. at this point, okay. and, and all the all the injuries also. But um, All right. Thanks again for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Every day, as David is in Las Vegas, he's going to be back with observation for, observations from the Heat's next summer league game. On Monday, we will be here with all the latest 
on the Damian Lillard front as well. So hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on your favorite podcast app. David, enjoy Las Vegas, buddy. I will. Thanks so much. 